is wrong with you? So, so this is, I'm going to take a second and kind of uh, explain the idea behind our podcast. Um, so this is the inaugural podcast for Clandestine Media. And the name of this podcast is Knee Deep in Hand Grenade Pins. So uh, basically for the listeners, the name of the podcast, originally we had thought of a uh, name called No Shit There I Was. And that was essentially supposed to be uh, you know, just general stories that people tell. Um, I'm sure Jeremiah can back me up on this, but uh, in general, when you're in the military and you're sitting around, you're in, doesn't matter what you're doing, guys will always tell the most ridiculous stories that you've ever heard. And uh, my entire military career, I always wanted to record that because it is the most hysterical thing that I'd ever heard. Um, so the idea behind the podcast is essentially to do that. So because uh, No Shit There I Was was already taken, uh, we decided to name it Knee Deep in Hand Grenade Pins. And uh, Knee Deep in Hand Grenade Pins comes from a lot of times when guys will tell a story, there's this ongoing joke and it says, No Shit There I Was, Knee Deep in Hand Grenade Pins, Bodies All Around. And uh, so that would be the name of the podcast. And the goal of the podcast is to give people 30 minutes, 60 minutes, somewhere around in there, of just a funny story. So you're driving to work, you can listen to a funny story from a, a guy who was in, guy who did something awesome. Um, and we'll have a whole bunch of different guests on here. We decided to stick with uh, Jeremiah for our, our first guest, and I'll explain why here in a second. Um, but you know, for the listeners out here, again, that, that really is what we're trying to accomplish. We just really wanna take some of these awesome stories and put them out there so people have something to listen to and also kind of give you a, a little bit of a synopsis of what you got here, military talking to, or excuse me, what the military is talking about and to each other when, you know, people aren't around. So uh, I've never hosted a podcast, so hopefully I'll get better at time, but let's give it a shot. Um, <laughs> so let's introduce Jeremiah. So <clears throat> Jeremiah, how do, how do we introduce Jeremiah? Um, 20 years in the military. Yes, sir. Um, you went into originally into military police, correct? Yep. I spent almost 10 years, uh, about eight years in military police. Okay. And then after that, you went special forces. Yep. And what year did you do that? Uh, 2010. Got it. So 2010, and then you just retired 2019. 20. So January 31st, 2020 is my last day of the Army. Got it. And uh, Jeremiah was all in 10th Special Forces group during his time. Third, third group. Third group. Right. Yeah, and 10th group. That's right. Um, and now Jeremiah has done a lot of modeling for us. So we, uh, we tried to use a bunch of, uh, former soft guys, SWAT guys, et cetera, for our models. And, uh, Jeremiah has been modeling for us for probably what, three years now, right? Yeah. Since, so, since I got out. Yeah. 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 I remember day one, uh, yeah. I think we, we met on LinkedIn, right? Yep. That's I great. think I was like still technically in the army Yeah, when I first did it. Yeah. That's right. So I'm terminally. That's right. I remember, uh, Jeremiah's profile picture picking up, uh, popping up on LinkedIn and, he was all clean shaven and like this, <laughs> he looked like a fucking nerd. But um, look at him now. He's got this beautiful beard. He's got this delicious mustache. I, think I just, 
I, I haven't had, I'm trying to think clean shaven. That was like 2000, like Q course last time I was clean shaven. <laughs> I've had that, that call sign Blackbeard since, cause I had a shave profile. Yeah. Yeah. And for so the list, it just wasn't thick. It was just always kind of like this at work. What's, what's your Instagram? So guys can come. Uh, Jeremiah underscore Blackbeard. Okay. All right. And so, uh, now Jeremiah is doing a whole bunch of modeling. Jeremiah, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, like the war party movement and yeah, for sure. that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, um, basically since I retired, um, you know, clandestine media has been a huge part of my transition out of the military. You guys have been giving me, um, that team life feel, you know, and I don't have to have it all the time. You know, I can come model for you guys every couple of months or so, hang around a bunch of dudes, have a good time. You know, it, it seems like team life. Um, and then I was just kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I had some experience working human trafficking in Africa and in Haiti um, while I was on terminal leave. COVID happened and I was kind of like, well, shit, I'm not really gonna keep picking up this contract or work. Like everyone just kind of shut, shut travel down. So, um, when I was doing human trafficking or anti-human trafficking, um, it was one of the first times it was super rewarding mission set. And it, it, I'm trying to explain this for listeners because in special operations, it's, you do affect things in the battlefield in a large manner sometimes, but it is easy to walk away from everything and be like, what the fuck did we just do? You know, like, it, it, or, or higher, it's not there. So it's telling you different things. So, you know, um, so I had that feeling a lot on missions in Iraq and Afghanistan, whereas working with women and children, it, I mean, you see it immediately, like you remove them from these horrible situations and it's very rewarding. You're like, oh, wow, this is, this is impactful. But without being able to travel, it's kind of like, well, I want to do something for the people in the United States. Like, what can I do? So I started War Party Movement. Um, and essentially it's just an apparel company that I use the funds to help um, uh, rescue women or help families search for um, missing loved ones. A lot of that is on the Indian reservation. Um, my mother is Apache, so um, I grew up in a half breed. I grew up, you know, on and off the Indian reservation, lots of family there. So a lot of people don't understand how big the situation is with missing, murdered indigenous women. Um, a stat I like to kind of throw out is in 2016, um, this is just reported cases now, for 2016, uh, there was 5,700 missing or murdered indigenous women, and only 116 of those were logged in the DOJ. So it's a massive problem. And, um, you know, to go into the weeds on that is on why it's such a big problem. It's really difficult because you're, you're looking at multiple different agencies. Uh, Indian reservations are considered sovereign land. Um, it wasn't until this year where a non-native can be prosecuted on on native land before you could be prosecuted. So you could be you could go into an uh, Indian reservation if you're not a native, commit a crime, and the tribal police cannot prosecute you. Huh. So this created a lot of space for bad actors. Um, then you have all these interagency problems where like the local sheriff is conducting an investigation, but his investigation stops once he crosses tribal tribal lines. So there's lots of things to do with that. But anybody who knows human trafficking, it's where there's poverty, there's human trafficking. So that's kind of the focus. Um, and essentially um, what I do with the money, you know, what I've done so far, it could be something as simple as um, there's a woman in Denver that reaches out, whether it's Instagram or just a network I have and says, hey, can you help me? I'm in an abusive relationship. And like me and you will go to her house kind of help her move, pull security for her. If her boyfriend shows up, whatever, it's like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. Like, what are you gonna do to us? You know, call the cops, do the right thing. Like, um, obviously with our background, you, you think it's like about kicking in doors and like, oh, it's badass shit, but it's like, 
we'll, we'll just go to jail real yeah. quick. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> so um, a lot of it has just been networking. And unfortunately, the, the downside of all that is in the native communities in particular, it's a lot of grassroots efforts. Um, even human trafficking is a lot of grassroots efforts. You see a lot of nonprofits and organizations really working to combat that. Um, in all phases of that, whether that's extracting women and, and boys and, and girls out of those situations or like what's next, like how do you rehabilitate somebody? Sure. Um, so basically kind of full circle where I am now after almost a year of doing War Party Movement, I just launched um, a nonprofit side of War Party Movement and we call it War Party Ranch. What that's going to be is a six week program um, where we bring out women survivors of abuse to Colorado to the ranch. We teach them skill sets, basically turn them into cowboys. And then we'll get them jobs in agriculture on ranches or with outfitters. That's awesome. So that's the plan. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. And we just literally just like, I mean, we had like a board meeting last night and we're trying to get everything going. So here I would say in the next, you know, um, 18 months, you'll really start to see it growing in fruition. So that's awesome. Well, and, and I think so just so everybody understands, um, you know, and I don't know how much you did it before you got out, but since Jeremiah's got out, uh, you've been doing a lot of ranching. We just mm-hmm. shot a documentary with you a couple couple months ago, or I guess almost a year ago now, yeah. um, about you know transitioning from being a veteran and and going into the ranching community, which seems like there's a lot of kind of spillover, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it seems a lot very similar culture yeah. and and uh, probably a really good place for veterans to go to after yeah. after their service. I think so. I think for veterans, and then this is why it kind of ties into the women, you know, you look at that aspect of um, going through trauma and the things that heal people's trauma. So that's nature, the outdoors, you know, uh, things that are fun, whether it's like shooting guns and being around good people. There's all these different things that come together. And the Western world is, is a lot like that because yeah. You're on horses that are super healing. You're, you're working with these animals. You're taking care of animals, like the way you took care of your soldiers. Um, you're in this harsh environment. Um, you know, you also have that, like, we, we have, like, terms where it's like, oh, it gets real ranchy or it gets Western. You know, like, the same in military where every day is not super crazy. But one day you're jumping out of airplanes. The next day you're, you know, and this is just training, right? right. And then you go into combat operations. So it's very similar in the ranching world. Well, one day, you know, you're not doing a lot. You're just men and fences or doctor and whatever and the next day it's like it's wild like we got the other day we had um a cow out there who her teeth went bad so we had to basically like you know if you can imagine trying to uh she had abscess teats so we have this big mama cow that doesn't want anybody around her baby you know so we got to rope her and doctor her and you know so it gets fun like i mean there's time and it's dangerous too you know it's, it's one of those things so i think that is what's appealing in my opinion those two things there's a little bit of danger and then you have all this like just how awesome nature is and how it feels yeah and you're there all day all day yeah all the time you know so that's what i look at for um the women as well that i think that just that trauma that some of the veterans and, and some of the women have experienced how do we overcome that and then i think as a veteran especially for guys like us who did what we did for a career it's hard to it's hard to match those like extreme highs. So I think it's easier to match the lows. Like you, we mean you could drink this bottle and get real fucking real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, but it's like, it's hard to match those extreme highs. Yeah. So I think that, you know, the reward of it, of doing a job where you see 
the work that you put in, whether that's on the horse you're training or riding every day and how much he improves and you improve together as a team. And there's so many tangibles there that relate, in my opinion, the same way they did when guys were in the military. And I'm sure there's, you know, um, other career fields and other things that do that. You know, I haven't found that. Um, I was very fortunate you know, to do it as a kid. And then I had like this giant break, you know, when I went to the military. Um, and then as soon as I got out, it was easy for me to pick it back up with family and, and people I knew. So um, very fortunate there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I could I could see, um, you know, looking back on retirement, like where I am now, it's hard to pick up like a new identity, like who you are. You know, I went from being a team sergeant of, you know, some of the sickest dudes on the planet to being a dad at home yeah you know? and that's yeah. cool that's all awesome but at the same time it's like it's very easy to be like woe is me compare what you used to do to what you're doing now and you know and i can just imagine people having that feeling um and compiled on top of you know guilt or shame for other things and whatnot you know so yeah and i think that's kind of an interesting piece that a lot of people don't you know we, when when guys get out of the military it's so funny because it's very different than being like a I don't know, and, and no offense to uh, Amazon drivers, but you know it's very different than being an Amazon driver, right? Like if you're an Amazon driver, uh, that is your job. You wake up, you go, and you drive packages all day, and then you go home, you take off your Amazon uniform, and then you're just a citizen of society. When you're in the military, you are a soldier all the time, right? You wake up, you're a soldier. You go to work, you're a soldier. You get off work, you're a soldier. You're hanging out at night. You can have to go in and at any time they can call you in. You get deployed. It is a lifestyle. It's not just being a job at that point. It's a lifestyle. And then you take that and you exacerbate that by putting a guy into a special operations position. And you say, okay, you not only are a soldier, but you have to embody this personality. You have to be tough. You got to be smart. You got to speak multiple languages. You have to have, you know, all these crazy skill sets. So you, you, basically provide this guy this identity and then on top of that you provide them everything right you say this is what you wear this is how you put your make your hair uh this is when you go into work this is when you don't go into work when you're off of work this is what you can and can't say i mean everything is enveloped right the food is taken care of everything, enti- everything is taken care of and then one day they come in and they say you're done yep. right and you have to go find a new identity I, yeah i think that like one of the things um Somebody asked me the other day, they were like, do you feel you got out of the army what you put into the army? And I had to like think about that question for a second. Yeah. And I used to think that when I was in the army until about my last, you know, I don't know, about two years when I started like getting ready to retire and things started happening. And I'm sure everyone kind of has their like Sergeant Major stories or whatever about the military. And um, the military is set up. The skeleton of it is communism. Uh-huh. And it <laughs> yeah. works so awesome when you just put it on a piece of paper. But the problem is you work for somebody. So personalities clash. You know, you you could have the best, you know, company sergeant major the world's ever fucking seen. But if you're if you're fucking leadership, if you're a junior Bravo, if you're the junior weapons guy and your senior weapons guy is a fucking dirtbag, mm-hmm. your life sucks. Yeah. Like, it's fucking horrible. Yep. You know, and like and that goes for all posi- or anything in the army, whether that's, you know, an admin clerk and your 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 first sergeant's amazing, but your first line supervisor sucks. So there's just so many ways that the army like almost takes identity away from you. Yeah. 
I think that's why so many guys get tattoos, so, right? So many. Like, it's, yeah. I think it's hard to like, you come up with this identity and, and the truth of it is to be a really good soldier, you have to strip all those things away from yourself and really like embody what it is to be a warrior and be a soldier and really take these things in. So you're, so oftentimes guys' personalities are almost always the same. We all like the same type of stuff. Like it's, it's really weird when you yeah. get around, it, yeah. especially special operations guys, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, everyone's kind of the same. Um, but I think it, it, it needs to take that certain kind of mentality to do that job. But at the same time, you know, all these things you talked about and then going back to that question, somebody asked me and I was like, dude, I put so much into the fucking army. Like I fucking love the army. Yeah. You know? Um, and then it was like, I got shit on so much. Yep. And the truth of the matter is, is the day I put in my retirement packet, instead of getting a third year as a team sergeant, like I was going to get and all this other shit, I was literally like, oh, you're done. And like, basically told just, okay, you're retiring, you're retiring, go go wherever, just go retire. And that was like the moment it did kind of click to me. And uh, my group star major, he was like, look, Jeremiah, I'm gonna tell you like this, the guys in the hallway will miss you and say your name for a little while. And then a year from now, when all those guys leave and they're going to SWIC and it changes, like no one's going to remember you. Yeah. The people who remember you are the guys you were deployed with that like the fine moments of, you know, camaraderie and brotherhood that you've had and then your family mm-hmm. and everybody else. No one fucking matters. And it was true. It was like the day I fucking left, like the next man up, no one gets, you know, it's, yep. and you see this massive system that's been created and you're like just a cog in the fucking wheel. So I think that is another part that I've looked at that I think maybe guys haven't always identified that, Mm -hmm. but I think that's what's a major factor in trying to figure out your identity because you were just this cog in a machine, like a prisoner, you know, you're it's, it's very similar to a prisoner. So someone who spent 20 years in fucking in, in prison has a, a very similar mindset and like you're indoctrinated you you have everything for you and it's hard you know like and for me what, what was thing, that wasn't it Shawshank, Shawshank where the, yeah. the guy he ended up killing himself yeah. right because he's like i don't know what to do outside of prison yeah, yeah. it's weird or like <laughs> you know um and you know i think like just the small things in the civilian world you know like that you're not used to mm-hmm. like there's just so many things you're like what so i think that is so hard because the army doesn't prepare people or the military in general doesn't prepare people for civilian life totally and the differences in civilian life and i wish that there was more uh, in the bullshit classes they make you take some like mental health stuff to tell guys that like hey you're gonna have this weird identity crisis yeah and you're it's okay it's okay to like skate for a fucking year and be a skater bum and like think that's amazing totally. to like whatever you know or and I, and I also think like you know in the contracting world like especially for guys with my background it's like it's just kind of it's just easy it's, it's like, natural it's, it's natural. natural it's like oh you, i get because because literally in special operations i feel like you don't really have a true skill set like yeah. you do if you were to really put it on paper you're one of these like integral thinkers and you can think about how you can write you know you know, we're writing op orders and writing these massive papers and you don't really look at that as a skill set. But if you're somebody else, you're like, oh, I can do that. I can do this for a major corporation. And, you, totally. and these guys and guys can, right? You know, what's funny is anytime we do a photo shoot, I always write it as a five paragraph yeah. op order. Well, it just makes sense to Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I've always said, you know, a lot of, um, I, I, I've, I've always likened 
special operations guy to a military working dog, right? If you take a military working dog and you give them a job, like they will search for that bomb all day long. Yeah. They'll literally search until they run out of water and die, right? But if you leave that military working dog alone in a room by itself it'll for 12 hours, it'll eat the couch, it'll fuck the cat, it'll piss all over the place. I mean, like it's it, yes. it's destructive, yep. right? And soft guys especially are very much the same. You put them in this high stress, high tempoed environment, and then you take them away from that. And you say, all right, go be a normal citizen in society. You just see them implode. They drink, they do drugs, they fight, they get in jet. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of shit. But what's interesting, what I've seen a lot, especially in the soft community across the board, is if they get a purpose, if they get a direction, whether it's starting yeah. a company, a foundation, uh, anything, the drive oh, yeah. is it's unmatched. I mean, you can you can look at the companies, you know, like yours, Black Rifle, like you can just name outstanding companies that were created by special operations guys. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that does, in my opinion, that does, you know, really showcase that, like you just said, that hyper focus, what goes on, you know, and, and that's, and, you know, back to like, I have, you know, one of my best friends is, is, um, over <clears throat> working a three letter job and he's been there for a while. And, and, uh, we just had it. It was kind of the army. It was the army question. You know, we had this conversation and it was like, he's like, dude, I'm just fucking good at it. He's yeah. like, I'm just scared to yeah. fucking, and I'm the same way. You know, I'm like, dude, I, like, I'm fucking scared to like, to try other things that I may not be good at. But that's one of the things that's helped. I would say, I don't know if word humble me is is correct, but um, I I really take pride in myself in the Western world, like cowboy or outfit or whatever I'm doing. If I don't know something, I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, I'm not I, I'm not that good at that. Uh -huh. Or can you do this? I'm like, ah, I've done a couple of times. I'll try it or whatever, you know, and I think that um, that's helped me a lot. Just taking a breath and being like, instead of being like, I ah, fuck, I can do that. I can ride that fucking horse. I'm like, I don't know, man, I'm fucking 42 years old. <laughs> like, I, I got, I'm like a fucking a bunk on the head away from a, being a vegetable, you know, so, um, but, and, and, you know, I don't, have, none of it's like fear-based. It's just, um, to me saying like, I don't know how to do that. And one of the things that's really helped me, and I, I would imagine guys have the same process with shooting a bow or other hobbies, like yeah. you know, picking up a camera, like what you do, you suck so bad when you first try something. Totally. So for me, like roping, right. It's like, I fucking suck so goddamn bad trying to rope. And it's super humbling to see like a five-year-old kid like fucking just smoking shit. You're like, Jesus Christ, yeah. what the fuck? You know, yeah, right? you can still beat them up. So that's yeah, good. exactly. <laughs> so I think like I try to challenge veterans all, you know, regardless of their background would like pick up something new. That's hard. Yeah. Challenge yourself and it's okay to suck at it. Yeah. It's okay to like be humble and say, I don't know how to do that. Sure. You know, if someone's better at you than shooting a bow, let them fucking teach you. Yeah. Don't be like arrogant and be like, no, nah, I can fucking do it. Be better than him one day, but just, be humble enough to say, all right, Luke, you know what you're doing? Like, show, show me what to do, yeah. bro. You no, know? I agree. Um, <clears throat> so I think like that part, you know, has been tremendous for me to be able to pick up new skill sets, um, you know, and, 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 and at the same time, I mean, I'm, I'm comparing some things that may not uh, compare the same because with horses, 
you can just see this massive growth in yourself and in the horse when you're when you're starting a colt or you're just you know a horse you're just tuning up a horse to make them a good ranch horse you yeah know, you see the improvements you see the difference um but i think oftentimes too you know like not to go down this rabbit hole but like social media hinders a lot of people in those things because oftentimes when you see something you see either a professional doing it or someone who's like at a professional level yes. of your sport. Yes. So if you see someone shooting a bow or you see someone roping or you see, you know, whatever your hobby is, skating, anything, it's like, dude, that dude's sick. Like yeah. he's not, a, he's not sponsored by Red Bull, but like he's fucking insane. So then when you go to the skate park, you're like, God damn, I've yeah, got so, so far to go. You know? <laughs> so I think it's hard to have social media has created a um, removed the process of like how, how long it takes to be good at something. Right. Versus, and I tell guys that were in the military, like, you know, you have that process, you know, like you went to basic training, you learned how to shoot a rifle, you learn tactics, you learn all these things to make you to the point where even if you get out and you're the one I see in fucking a squadron, you had a process of growing from basic training guy all the way to being the baddest motherfucker on the planet as the one I see in a squadron. Yep. So it didn't happen overnight. overnight. So it's easy to get out and want to do something new. And because you're so good at something, especially special operation guys, they're so fucking good at shit. Yeah. And they're almost the worst to like teach a new skill to because they get so frustrated because they're just so used to being good at it. Yeah. And, and, uh, (laughs) I'm glad I got the chance when I retired, I was teaching the Arctic warfare center, basically kind of stood that up for 10th group. Um, and, you know, teaching, you know, 35 year old fucking basically a professional athlete to ski. And it's fucking hard as fuck if you never skied before totally. and you're 35 years old and you're good at fucking everything you've ever done in your life. You're not scared of fucking shit. And you put on two stupid boards and go try to go to the mountain, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> uh, so I was, uh, that was a really cool experience to kind of see that and start like getting ready for retirement and yeah. trying to soak some things in. But, um, you know, I just, you know, that's one of the things I think guys should try to do is just do something hard, try to pick up some skill, yeah. you know, you suck at. And I agree. Just try to do it. You know, that that helps getting your mind off of um, trying to find this identity. Because yeah. I don't necessarily think identity is something you find. I think it finds you. That I agree. That's I would agree with A little that. hippie, but like, yeah. you know, I think if you try too hard, it's like, it's like if you try so hard to find like an awesome woman to marry like you're probably not you're probably just gonna find <laughs> you know what i mean like it's like, it's just gonna happen it's not something totally. just like oh i'm gonna find a fucking wife yeah you don't go to walmart and find exactly. well i guess you could just, most guys yeah, in fayetteville do yeah they do <laughs> <laughs> so or sharkies so oh, sharkies burned down though oh it did yeah it did, no. so i think this is a good time so you know again the purpose of the podcast is we we want to have that one banger story right and <laughs> Jeremiah, I've heard tell some incredible stories. So what I want to know is tell me that knee deep in hand grenades pin story. And it doesn't have to be in a firefight. It could be at Walmart in Fayetteville. I don't care. But this is this is the bread and butter of the podcast. I do have a Walmart Fayetteville one too. But um, I I have one, and I was thinking about you because I was like, you know, we've we just bullshitted so much, like hanging out after you know photo shoots and after photo shoots and whatnot. Um, I literally had one two weeks ago. And, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you haven't heard this one, and uh, so no shit. There I was, <laughs> knee deep in fucking hand grenade pins, standing in front of a hundred women, holding on 
to another woman's boobs. Just holding on to boobs. Just a handful of boobs, dude, in front of a hundred fucking women. And in my mind, this was about 10 minutes long. It was probably 30 seconds. But it felt like I was holding on to both of those boobs for about fucking 30 minutes. And I'm the guy that's like, tries to be the epitome of like cowboy culture. Yes, ma'am. And fucking, oh man. And I'm, so the, the whole way the story goes is I was invited to teach at an all women's hunting retreat. It was called the Women's Warrior Hunting Retreat. Okay. Super cool event. Um, I was the only guy there, the only male instructor. It was a bunch of other female instructors. Um, and I was brought in for my expertise in guiding and to help prepare women for their first hunt. So it's on this really cool ranch in Julian, California. Um, it was another um, iconic place for me because Julian is where my mother um, lived when she was a, when she was a kid. She went to high school there. Um, it's surrounded by Indian reservations. Like I know I've done a bunch of work in that area um, and I haven't been there since the fire. So in 2006, my grandparents' ranch burned down in the Quaymaca fire. So that's the last time I've been to Julian. Um, so I'm just like feeling it, you know, I'm driving down there and it's awesome. And I, I meet everybody and it was just this amazing experience for me. Uh, it was a three day event. And on the second day, they had um, this badass woman who is a female like self-defense instructor. She has a massive resume in um, PSD, which is personal security detail for people who don't know what that is. Um, I did a ton of that when I was an MP for, for JSOC as well. So we knew a bunch of the same people and like she had all these connections. She's, she basically did like a paramilitary contracting in that world. Now she runs, um, all security for like Hollywood events. She's on the red carpet, you know, like that's, and she's in charge. She's not like a Joe. She runs. Yeah, she's baller. She's, she's and she's baller. a badass, yeah. right? Okay. She's also a very pretty lady. Okay. She has, back to the story, you know, yeah. not to be super derogatory because I really like this lady. They're not small. Okay. Um, and she, <laughs> she is teaching. <laughs> she's using me to demonstrate moves. And so what we're doing is basically awesome classroom forum. You know, we have literally like, I'm in the middle of a hundred women that are standing there watching her. She's like, choke me, like for real. So I'm like, I, and she's super professional, you know, and I have like my professional, everything about this entire situation, like it's on video. I mean, it's on social media and pictures, everything. And I was very professional, but in that moment, dude, like I, I literally, she's like, okay, choke me. And she does this move where she basically like puts your arm up to your uh, your shoulder to your ear, take a step back, and then kind of trap your arms. So it's almost like a arm trap and roll, but from standing to be able to trap your arms. So while she's doing this, she just is holding my hands that were choking her. Now they're both on like both two hands on one boot, and and she's just holding it and talking and like teaching class like. And this is a long, dude, it literally felt like fucking 30 minutes to me. And I'm just, I just have a handful of boobs. And I'm like, oh my God. Like I'm trying like my best to just have like a professional demeanor. I'm like, I'm not touching boobs. I'm not touching boobs. I'm not touching boobs. So literally in my mind the whole time, I'm like, I'm not touching boobs. I'm not touching boobs. I'm not touching boobs. And uh, yeah, so that's why when, uh, what happened to me. And then when it was over, 
I was just like, dude, what the fuck? Like, I was like, oh, man. And I went over to, like, I knew some people pretty well there, you know, one of my friends, Dana. And I was like, dude, I was like holding on to her boobs forever. Like, and she was just laughing. She was like, no, nah, it didn't look like it. I was like, oh, thank God. I was like, oh, my fucking God. And then, like, the next day, she, like, tags me in post, and it's literally a video of me holding her boobs <laughs> in front of everybody. And I'm like, I'm wearing, like, a war party moon hoodie. I'm supposed to be, like, the guy who's, like... I was brought in for that, like to create yeah, a safe yeah, environment yeah. and make people feel comfortable, and and all those things are just running through my fucking mind, dude. You know, and um, you know how my wife is, yeah. so she thinks it's fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, oh my god, dude. And I like she she's a saint. On. By the way, if she's listening. She's a saint. Oh, dude, Absolute saint. She, she's so fucking funny. It's not. It's she's. she's our house is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah, so that was the that was two weeks ago. I held on to some really awesome boobs and good. Of, Bunch of women, um, yeah, and it was, it was <laughs> rough. I was I like it. a little bit. I like it. Okay, so let me get let me get one more knee deep in hand grenade pins. And what I would like to hear is something because you know I I think that your time in the military is something that a lot of listeners don't get a, a chance to experience, right? So yeah, let's let's hear one from your time in special operations, special you know, operations. and and again, it could be the badass story, it could be a funny story. And I know, like, I've got a couple in my head. I'm like, dude, I, I don't know if we'll tell this one on the first podcast. Maybe we'll get you back <laughs> a little bit later on. Um, some of your, you know, your nuggets of wisdom. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That's yeah. that one, too. Those are always awesome. Yeah. Um, I do like to tell people about those. Um because that was going to be one of my other ones. Since my, you know, how I met my old lady, um, but that was it was more of a, a party after party special operations, more the the R and R side of right, the, right, special right, operations. Right, right. Um, yeah, so actually, I you know the one I would love to hear is uh, um, I don't want to give it away. It was a hit that you went on and you had an unfortunate um, spill. Oh fuck me, dude. Yeah, yeah. I was okay. So no shit. There I was, knee deep in hand grenades, <laughs> butt naked, covered in shit, in the back of a CH-47 <laughs> by myself. <laughs> Elaborate. All right, so I'm fucking main effort um, on a massive fucking operation that we had been planning for fucking months. And this is number three of this operation. So we're going in, like, I mean, it's in Kunar. So, and we're literally going with a whole battalion of Kandak commandos. So this is like five ODAs running a company apiece. I mean, it was massive. So it was like a battalion plus of commandos that we were going to push through this entire valley. And I made effort. And like, I would just do everything I could to try to get these guys psyched up because what a lot of people don't understand about the commandos is, they they're there 24 7 like these dudes have been in thousands of fucking gunfights it's like when you know when the boys start shooting they're just like eh, cool shooting again you know so i would try to do stuff to like get them pumped up and you know shit like that and we're in the back of the helicopter and uh we used to just fucking i used to make them sing and i don't know what i don't remember what the fuck they were fucking chanting and doing but it was like something afghani that they would do and i had a bunch of guys that were like um, their first sergeant used to be a, he's like old school, um, like CIA trained, uh, soft guy. There used to be Mujahideen. He's like a legend. So he's back there. He's in the, he's in the back of the helicopter 
or excuse me, the front of the helicopter if, if you're as it's flying. But so now I'm in the, on the tailgate, right on the tailgate. And he's like getting these dudes chanting and we're fucking rolling. And I'm like, we're like one minute out. So I'm like, one minute out. The fucking helicopter, I'm screaming in and we're like right on the X. And my platoon was supposed to take a stronghold in the very, and like establish that in the first building. And then the other chocks were literally like a minute behind me. So, and there was three, we call it green ghosts. There's three green berets in this helicopter with, you know, like, I don't know, 35 uh, commandos. So as soon as the tailgate drops, I've, I'm like, let's, I'm like, follow me, let's go. I jump off the fucking tailgate and I'm running and I'm like, technically I'm supposed to have commandos in front of me, the right answer, right? But I needed them to get on the fucking perimeter so we could breach this door and go. So I'm running across what I thought was a little tiny bridge that went over this um, like canal or like wadi or whatever. And right when I'm like running, I'm literally gun up running at this fucking wall. <laughs> and right when I step in this on this bridge, it just I just disappear. I'm just like fuck. And I remember falling, and I was just like go into fucking water but it wasn't water it was a fucking sewage this hole a fucking hole of shit so i finally get out my buddy pulls me out the helicopter's still running and my fucking team sergeant is on that bird he's like and he's like trying not to puke he's like he's like get off the fucking bird i'm like oh fuck me i'm so pissed because this op is like fucking everything so i fucking run up into the bird get on and the fucking crew chief is like he's fucking dry heaving the fucking crew is fucking dry heaving it was so bad and uh I had basically got naked, like got undressed, put all my shit in a trash bag, and they flew me straight to fucking Bagram to the to the medical center. And when I get out, they're all like, they're like, is it like I, I remember on the radio they were talking about like do you deny line or whatever? And I I, I didn't have, I just had they I didn't even have the headphones in, I could just see in their mouth. I was like, what? And he's like, we're taking you to the hospital. I'm like, why? What the fuck, dude? Like, I just need to take a shower. <laughs> I wasn't thinking, like, hepatitis. Yeah, All yeah, this yeah, crazy yeah. shit. Yeah. So then I get there, and, like, the staff is in, like, fucking mops. Like, like <laughs> ETs, fucking suits, dude. Like, they're like, it's hazmat. And I'm like, and they're like, stand there. Oh, dude, it was fucking insane. I, and then I had to get a bunch of shots and a bunch of shit. It was, it was a fucking nightmare, dude. And it was like... And it was the best op ever for all my homies. Like, fucking killed so many dudes. And I was just like, yeah, it's cool, man. I fucking... <laughs> got covered in shit. Haji and Haji cool, shit. That's dude. bad shit. It's, it's the worst, dude. Make sure it's curry it's and lamb. Yeah, it's good. Oh, man. <laughs> so I thought I was going to do this badass op and did it. <laughs> yep. Got covered in poop. So literally, no shit. No there shit. Was. There yeah. I was. No, it, 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 yours, yours should just be... Neck deep shit there i was neck yeah. deep yeah neck deep and shit yeah, neck deep and shit oh, and i awesome. didn't realize it was poop until like i don't know i, I don't know until you started throwing up i think i was just like hyper focused like yeah. i was just super like switched on and like ready to fucking go and um the the thing that came out of that though was it sounds silly but like we always try to take something positive away from things and literally like within about three months of that was when, so this was 2013. Then like two months of that was when all the pressure plate stuff started happening. Yeah. Like against walls on floor. That's when the Rangers got hit and, and got killed down South. Like it started being crazy. So it was almost one of those things for my team 
that like I had that experience where we took that back. And as a team, we, you know, we tried to share that with people, but I mean, a funny story or whatever, old guy went shit, but it was something where we were trying to be like, Hey, we need to be mindful of this. And then literally like they had a couple incidents with pressure plate stuff like down South. So I was out East and didn't really start to hit out East for like a year or two. But it was something our battalion was like, hey, lesson learned. We had to yeah. go through fucking shit. Like, we need to, like, change slow what down. we're doing, yeah. slow down, yeah, yeah. figure something else out. So, um, literally, like, and I'm sure you've done it, like, we went back to, like, offsets, these massive offsets and, like, yeah, yeah. you know, or pulling recon. Call outs and all of those. Yeah, yeah. Pull, or pulling, like, recon on objectives way longer than you we were to. before yeah, yeah. yeah so i mean there was like good out of it but at the same time you know like just a <laughs> stupid story where i fucking didn't get to go on an office oh that's one of my favorite man i love it <laughs> i love it well yeah no i think um yeah i i really appreciate you coming on and 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 telling your story man you know i think uh for sure we could probably sit here for another two hours and tell hysterical stories and i think what we need to do is have you on a little bit later i'd like to i think now we'll um we'll go ahead and finish up the the podcast is you know again this is the yep. first one so for those listening if you did listen please do us a favor and uh tell us how to make it better what can we do next time um go into the the comments and let us know what you like what you don't like uh and yeah again this is our this is our first go at it so if the audio is a little off or if the <laughs> video is a little off we apologize this is a, a work in progress but Really yeah. appreciate having you on, man. Yeah, thank, no, thanks for having me. It's, yeah. You guys are awesome. You know, I love you guys and your crew. So I love you too, yeah, buddy. It's awesome, yeah. dude. Hell yeah. Okay. And, awesome. uh, and anybody listening, um, hit me up anytime, especially veterans, people, it doesn't matter, you know, like, but especially in the veteran community. If you need anything, hit me up, dude. I'll answer DMs, phone calls, whatever, yeah. you know, we all, we all need somebody sometimes. So absolutely. And check out the War Party Movement for sure. Yeah, What's the Instagram? So um, War Party Movement is the Instagram. Yep. Um, and then, uh, War Party Ranch will be launching some, assuming by the time this podcast is out, War okay. Party Ranch will be up and running. Same same Instagram handle? Yes, yeah, so War I'm Party running Ranch. everything through cool. War Party Movement. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well, thanks, brother. Yeah, Appreciate thank it. you, brother. Appreciate it. All right. Hey, what is wrong with you? Oh.